Welcome to another episode of the Games in Schools and Library podcast. I'm Donald Dennis. You can find me all over the wilds of the internet as Walsvio. I'm here with uh, an amazing, amazing person who has done so much for games and libraries and has designed a game himself, Mr. Brian Mayer. Hey-ho! That, that's you, right? That is me. World-famous game designer. Happy to be here. Ah, well, no, I don't, I don't, I, no. (laughs) I, I did design a game, but I'm very much, you know. I think that through the impact of having designed and published a game, you've gotten a a lot more out of that one game than many publishers or many designers do out of their catalog of games. That is true. I, I am incredibly grateful for the fact that, um, uh, Freedom, the Underground Railroad has had such a tale. It, I, I genuinely going into it, uh, it felt super niche, and I thought it would maybe have a, a small kind of splash, and just kind of the way that it's resonated and and how long it's continued to kind of last is is been incredibly impressive and uh, a bit. Uh, I don't know if humbling, overwhelming. I'm not quite. But it's just I'm I'm thrilled that people are still kind of seeking out and enjoying it. Um, I think the. Uh, uh, the publisher just did another print run, so nice. we're on like the fifth print run. I'm not sure. Hmm. Well, what is it that you do during your day job to let any listeners who weren't part of the show or listening to the show back the last time you were on? Uh, sure. I work for a school library system um, up in uh, western New York, so I provide support and services for 22 school districts across four counties in rural western New York. Um, I do a whole bunch of different things. I wear a lot of hats. I do automation support. I do professional development, workshops, trainings. Uh, but the relevant thing that I do is for the last 12 years now, I curate and implement a game library. So we've got probably f- over 500 uh, titles with multiple copies of um those titles, and I collaborate with uh, school librarians and classroom teachers, and I bring uh, those resources out into the classroom uh, to engage students with uh, classroom curricular uh, opportunities, uh, so a different way to explore, apply, and interact with uh, curriculum content, and then that's extended into doing design projects as well, too, so with classes, I'll work and the students will design games uh, to kind of show what they know and uh, understand about the curriculum that they're doing in the classroom, and that's then extended out into doing a lot of uh, scape design stuff. Uh, the cool, uh, I had the best project happen this year that's been like a recurring project I do with this alternate track math class in high school. In the past, we do game design, uh, and the kids would design games and talk about and show you know, how they use uh, math during the process of, of designing their games. So a lot of times, they weren't math games, but they would talk about how math was used and applied during the process. And uh, the last couple of years, we transitioned in doing uh, escape design, where the kids would design their own escape experiences. Um, so we'd come in, and I'd, I'd run one to give them an example. Uh, but this year was great because we wound up partnering um, and building some kind of business and community connection. So we brought someone in who runs an escape business, talked about the business end of things, and kind of helped those kids see how the we're doing in the classroom translates out into the real world. And then we took a field trip to an escape room so that they also got to go through that process. And so that visit and the field trip helped inform kind of their designs, and it came out really fantastic this year. I was thrilled with how that project has continued to grow. That's uh, pretty neat. 
Yeah, uh, it's, 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 I'm lucky. Uh, I've got a really pretty amazing job and, uh, I've got a great boss, uh, Christopher Harris, who runs the school library system here, who also, uh, you know, very much someone who's passionate about, uh, games and libraries and education. Uh, but he's created a space, uh, to really allow us to kind of thrive and grow our programs. And so, uh, I'm grateful. That, that's all pretty exciting, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about ALA and what's going on with the Games and Gaming Roundtable. Oh. (laughs) Let's start with the big one, the big recurring event. Let's hit that first. Okay, sure. Um, so, uh, Games and Gaming Roundtable, if you're not familiar, um, the Games and Gaming Roundtable is a member organization within the American Library Association. So, uh, I think it's like 10 or $15. It's a very low cost, um, to join and support the Games and Gaming Roundtable, and uh, well, I'm, I'm preceding talking about ALA play, but I think it's important to just yes. give a little background. Context is um, good. Yes. Uh, so the Games and Gaming Roundtable, we, we do a lot of different things. We um, provide resources, guidance, and support for libraries who are interested in looking at how games and gaming can fit into their programs um, and extend programs they already have. Um, so we serve that capacity. Uh, we serve as an advocate uh, for libraries within the gaming community and hobbies. So a lot of times we have conversations uh, with publishers and with distributors to kind of help them understand the unique animal that libraries are and our unique needs. Um, so uh, recently we uh, worked with PSI uh, to help craft and create a, a purchasing program uh, through Peach State Um uh, to be able to allow libraries to purchase at a very decent cost uh, resources that oftentimes it's a little bit difficult because a lot of uh, libraries usually go through Amazon or hopefully also going and supporting their local game stores. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're always working to try and find ways to help build bridges between libraries and the gaming hobby and the, and the gaming community. Um, so that being said, we one of the things we do is we create a lot of different opportunities um, at the annual library conference uh, for uh, the gaming industry and librarians to kind of come together, get to know each other a little bit better, um, allow librarians to learn about different ways that games can be uh, used in their libraries, and for the gaming hobby publishers to kind of learn and see, wow, this amazing stuff is happening in libraries with games, all library types. So the big event that Donald uh, is alluding to is ALA Play, which is our evening gaming event that has been going on for a very long time. Um, I think we're probably going on like maybe 13 years. It's been a while, and it hasn't always been ALA Play. It's it's kind of transitioned a little bit. But it is uh, Friday evening um, the, uh, during the course of the annual conference. So this year it'll be Friday the 21st. Uh, it's happening from 7.30 p.m. till 10 p.m. Uh, in the uh, Renaissance Washington in the Grand Ballroom North. And it's open to anyone who's coming to the annual conference um, to be able to come on and stop down. And the goal of it is to provide um, an opportunity for librarians to come and explore gaming resources and get programming ideas. Uh, so they will, there will be on hand uh, gaming publishers uh, that both will be on the exhibit floor and others who are coming just in for this event. So we've got like ninth level games, uh, Gray Fox games will be there, Fireside, North Star, uh, Think Fun, 
um, Albino Dragon, Third World Studios. Oh, no, Third World Studios can't make it this year. Um, Looney Labs, Haba, there'll be a, a bunch of different publishers down showcasing, running, and demoing their games. Uh, Wizards of the Coast will be there running Magic. Uh, they've been there the last few years. Mm-hmm. They have a space for people to come, learn to do magic, learn how to play magic. Um, and that's a great opportunity. Uh, one of the things I'm most excited about is one of, uh, the guests that we'll have on the exhibit floor, the Games and Gaming Roundtable we'll have on the exhibit floor, um, is Games Workshop. And they're going to be doing, uh, paint and take, uh, where you can come and learn how to, you know, paint a miniature. Um, they'll have miniatures on hands and paint. Um, you can sit down and try your hand at painting a miniature and you get to take that miniature home with you. Um, I've just started dabbling in miniatures, so I kind of painting, so I kind of wish I had that because I've, I've, I've not done so well, but I, okay, but. Those are great events. We had one at Shushcon where we did a, a, you know, come in and people got to paint a little bit and, and take some stuff home with them. So that very popular. Yes, and you don't feel so like intimidated because it's not your paint and it's not your miniature, so you could totally just feel free to try your hand at it, and there's no cost repercussions because you know the, everything's being provided. Uh, the other thing that's really cool is um, I'm a big advocate for kind of unpub prototype spiel things where. Uh, it's an opportunity for uh, kind of up-and-coming designers or established designers who are working on materials that isn't that aren't published yet or are in the process of kind of play testing and getting feedback. Um, so we're doing like an unpub event at ALA Play to allow librarians to see kind of what that looks and feels like, um, so they can go back to their libraries with that idea and start uh, some sort of uh, program like that in their community to support uh, local game designers um, uh, that they service and tie into other programs as well, too. So uh, tapping into your local game designers, if you have a makerspace, 3D printers um, and other kind of programming, things like that, that's a great way to also support game designers and game design in your community because uh, it gives them access to resources as they're creating and making prototypes. So this year we're going to have an unpub event where we've got, I think, about uh, we have about eight designers coming in uh, from the D.C. region who are going to be running uh, demos and showcasing some of the games that they're working on. Uh, we'll have informational sheets for librarians to take back to get some ideas about why unpubs are important, what they look like, and some tips and practices for running. Um, and it gives the local designers an opportunity to kind of showcase and share stuff they're working on and get some feedback. And uh, one of our... Uh, people in that space is uh actually someone of some note and i'm super excited and i i i just i i don't know if i should say or not or <laughs> well that that is up to you this will be coming out a few days before uh before the con so if you want people to get excited and show up then uh, then talk about well it. then i totally will so i i'm i'm over the moon that um uh, elizabeth hargrave the designer of wingspan uh is going to be down in our unpub area uh with some of her games as well too so i think uh that's going to be amazing she's got one of the most uh hot uh, most popular hot games right now it's a little tricky to get your hands on but uh for good reason it's an incredibly good design Right. It's so pretty I've, from what I've seen of it. I've not had a chance to play, but I, one of the things I like about it is not only is it a relatively fresh take on a topic, something that we haven't had a thousand versions of, you know, trading in the Mediterranean, yeah. but also it's a game that has reached outside of the gaming hobby and dragged up some interest 
which I think is a win for everybody who's excited about gaming. Absolutely. I am always excited with uh, non-traditional themes in games. Uh, that always gets me very excited. It perks my ears up. And yes, it's fantastic to see more and more um, articles and attention popping up in more mainstream media um, and publications that are kind of reflecting what's going on in our hobby space. So very exciting. So I've got a quick question. Uh, you back out just a metric ton of Kickstarters. Are those for you or for work? I do not back a metric ton of Kickstarters. Um, not you? I could have swore that. Oh, every no. Time- well, so I, I, what I wind up doing is I get very excited about some Kickstarters. Um, I will jump on so that I kind of save them and know, okay, cool. This is one that I'm very interested in. So I will back like at a dollar. Just it's more of a bookmarking for me because there are so many Kickstarters that come out all the time. Um, but then when all is said and done and the dust settles, I probably kind of stick through about a third of them. Okay. Now, in terms of where we're at in my my, uh, work, we definitely do reach out and back a number of relevant uh, Kickstarter games that would be a good fit uh, that we could see transitioning into an educational space. And again, not necessarily designed for education, uh, but being able, as as we have worked uh, using games education for like the last 12 years, the ability for me to kind of take a look at a game and see and pick apart or dissect to say, okay, I see a lot of opportunities to apply to curricular contents and curricular skills, even though the designer, the publisher wasn't necessarily aware that it could be relevant in that space. Um, and actually, those are oftentimes the best resources because you've got the authenticity of the resource, um, which draws in and engages the kids. Um, but then my ability as an educator and a professional to showcase and say, this is how you can kind of tie it and use it in the classroom um, and in education as a way that's very relevant to specific curricular skills and standards. Did you grab Endangered? No. Wait, which one's Endangered? That's the one with the big tiger on the cover. No, I did not get Endangered. Oh. Um, they had a special a special deal for uh, museums, schools, et cetera, et cetera, so... Yeah. So, although you know, we did we did just pick up uh, eighteen Chesapeake, the 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 introductory eighteen XX. Well, right. One of the introductory eighteen XXs because, well, a I I love eighteen <laughs> XX games, um, and b you know having a nice introductory one is really great for like high school economic classes. You know, we've used other resources, but I've always wanted to be able to grab one of those because just the best stuff happens in those games. Mm. Um, oh, but back, back to ALA, ALA Play. Wait, but well, I wanted to mention uh, ALA Play too. So, um, apart from all that amazing stuff that happens, uh, we also have a number of publishers uh, that are incredibly generous that can't make it um, that will send uh, things for us to use as part of our, our giveaways at the end of the evening. So we'll have uh, giveaway packages at the end of the evening. Um, so as you come in, you get a little ticket at the end of the night. We'll pull corresponding tickets and giveaway packages. So we'll have stuff on hand from some of the publishers that will be there, but we also have stuff coming uh, from elsewhere. So Renegade uh, Games, who can't be there, is going to be sending some resources out. Cards Against Humanity sent some resources out. Um, fairly certain USA Opley and others. Uh, we get publishers who send things out for us to give away 
and the Games and Gaming Roundtable, we love us some swag, and this year is the swaggiest swag we've ever had. I'm so excited. We're giving away at the beginning of the evening to about the first 200 people that come in. Um, Games and Gaming Roundtable pint glasses. So mm-hmm. we've got some nice, awesome pint glasses um, emblazed with the Games and Gaming Roundtable logo. So you calm down, enjoy some amazing gaming, and leave with a fantastic pint glass. Excellent. Is it going to be filled with anything? No, that's something looking down the road. Um, it's, 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 conference services is expensive, and uh, getting some sort of uh, libations is not very cheap. And while we do awesome stuff, we, we kind of run on a thin budget as a roundtable, so that's right. a little bit hard for us to pull together. Understood. <laughs> well, excellent. So it sounds like the ALA play, and uh, that is what date again? Uh, that is Friday, June 21st at the Renaissance Washington in the Grand Ballroom North. It's from 7.30 p.m. until 10 p.m. All right. And what else do we have going on at ALA? Um, so as- aside from the, the evening gaming event, there are tons of gaming things happening uh, during the conference itself. So um, on the exhibit floor is a beautiful area of wonderful gaming goodness. Uh, the Games Gaming Roundtable, we have a booth every year, uh, that, and we invite in guests to our booth to be able to come in and kind of see what's happening um, with games and libraries. It's a chance to kind of showcase and preview for them, um, and ideally then give them encouragement to come back independently on their own and be on the exhibit floor. So this year we've got Games Workshop, who's very excited. They have actually a fantastic library program uh, that they're working and building on. Donald, are you familiar with their program? I know that it exists, but that's about as far as I've gotten. So they have this program with some uh, kind of guideposts and curriculum, not really a curriculum, but more of like an outline of how to uh, use and implement them in library spaces and in education. It's kind of a, they're adjusting. They have like a classroom educator, educators kind of package to get, uh, facilitate after school clubs and they're modifying that for libraries. Um, so you sign up and they'll give you the kind of the outline and they'll also send you a box filled with um, starter packs and minis and paints and brushes and everything to kind of get kids into learning how to paint miniatures and play um, uh, miniature games in the Warhammer universe. It's actually a pretty fantastic program. So they're going to be on hand. They're going to be talking about that, um, have some of that stuff on hand to show and share. And they'll be running demos of uh, Warhammer stuff. And our other booth guest is going to be Albino Dragon, um, who is going to be there. They do a number of IP licensed games and uh, playing cards and different things. So they're going to be on hand and sharing what they have as well, too. Um, so that's just in the booth. Um, and then surrounding the booth, um, there are kind of two spaces with, with similar names. So there's the Gaming Grove. Mm-hmm. And this is a new area that just started this year, and probably the one I'm, I'm um, most excited about in terms of what we're the Games Gaming Roundtable is doing at annual. So, uh, and it's it's expensive to come to annual. It's 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 pretty pricey. It's um, it's over two grand for a small ten by ten booth, and uh, for game publishers, that's that's a little intimidating um, to kind of come to 
a uh, conference that is a new area for you, not your primary interest area. You know, game publishers go to all the gaming conferences. Libraries are kind of a new space, and they're kind of just coming to understand uh, how relevant and the role that kind of libraries play for supporting the hobby and providing a space for uh, people in the community to come together and play games, especially if you're looking at rural areas or um, other that don't have a hobby store um, available to them in a close uh, vicinity. So um, I've we've worked together with conference services to create the gaming grove. Uh, and the gaming grove is an area where publishers can come in at a lower cost. It's going to, it's about $500 um, and they get um, a table, some chairs, um, they'll have a, a curtain backdrop. It's similar to if you've ever been to Gen Con, sort of that artist space that they have where the artists kind of have a small setup. Right. Um, it's not quite a booth booth, but it's, it's, it's an official space on the exhibit floor. They're there the whole time and it's kind of cost efficient for them to either A, come out and see what's happening at annual, have those conversations and continue to come back in subsequent years, either in that space or kind of move up to a more official booth space, um, or for just publishers who who run on tight margins and want to be engaged and involved in a way that makes sense for them from their budget, um, that's a way for them to be able to do that too. So we've got nine uh, publishers that are uh, taking wow. advantage of that that's, space, and I'm super excited, great. yeah. And that, that's, that's, that was our starter. So for this year, um, we've got, we had 10 spaces and they were all filled. One had to just drop out, uh, the other day because of some, some family, uh, health issues. So, so we're down to nine. Um, but I'm, I'm pleased with that number because uh, that all came together very late and, ALA happens right in the midst of all the crazy hectic convention seasons between Origins and Gen Con, and it's a crazy time. So be able to get people to come out and commit is super encouraging. And next year, because we've got everything established, we'll be able to get more. That's that's exciting. Yeah. Um, so so we've got all of those people on hand, and then in the middle of all of that is the gaming lounge, which is basically an area for uh, playing games. Uh, there'll be scheduled demo times in that area for all the publishers that are going to be on the exhibit floor, so the people that are going to be in the gaming grove, as well as other people that are going to be on the exhibit floor, which is the coast has their own booth, so they'll have time in the gaming grove. Our booth guests will be there as well, too. So that's a chance for you to come and demo and try out different games uh, from the publishers who will be there on hand kind of running demos of their games. And then you can have conversations and follow up by talking to them in the Grove. So there's a lot of opportunity to kind of immerse yourself and engage and learn about how games can kind of fit in your gaming programs, how they'll fit in your libraries, whether you're a public space or an academic space or a school right. space. Um, and it's just it's 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 great stuff that's happening at annual and i'm i'm thrilled how over the years it's grown in the and gaming together. lounge you don't know ever exactly what's going to happen because i got to play in starfinder before it was released they were doing demos there because you know it's like the week or two but it's before gen con and i think starfinder mm -hmm. released at gen con last year or year before or two years ago yes. i guess it was and you know, it's so tight in there with Origins, and so it was like right as Pathfinder was rolling out, I got to sit through a demo, and I was like, this is cool, because there's nobody in my area who had played it yet, and so I was able to bring it back, and now we have a bunch of the Starfinder stuff here at the library. Uh, 
Yes. Yeah, I, it's, it, you're right. It's been amazing that we've had publishers in the past showcase and share off resources that have not uh, come out to market yet. And, you know, Paizo has been a champion of that in a number of years. Uh, they showcase the uh, Pathfinder collectible card game at ALA before it actually released at Gen Con as well, too. So they've they've been good partners they they're unfortunately they can't make it there this year um but we're uh very hopeful they'll be back next year they've been longtime advocates and supporters of uh games and libraries well with ala being a traveling convention you know there are going to be years where hey this year you're getting a bunch of dc area publishers and next year what it's florida again uh, no, next year we're oh, next Chicago. year Chicago, and I think we bounced back and forth between Chicago and DC for a couple of years before we head over to California and San Diego, which I'm looking forward hmm. to. Interesting. I don't think I'll make yes. that. Yes, um, and I know for a f- <laughs> and I know for a fact I've already spoken, and I'm fairly certain that uh, Renegade is very excited to uh, be actively engaged and be our booth guest when we're out in California. So I'm looking forward to that. They're uh, they're a fantastic yeah, publishing absolutely. company, and they're doing good stuff. Well, neat. Uh, are there any actual seminars or anything that are going on, or any meetings that people who are interesting should attend that that you're aware of? Uh, yeah, we're going to put a pin pause right now because I need to look that up. I didn't actually pull that part up. So give me a second while I pull up the email, and then I can do the whole... Fully edited. So. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, here it is. Okay, boom. All right, I got that up. And they play Gaming Lounge. There's a list of people. Game Grow. Uh, all right, boom. Chicago Bang Bang. Okay. Um, boom. Yes, uh, there there is. We've got our President's Program that happens every year. So the Games Gaming Roundtable pull together um, a workshop each year or a panel presentation. Uh, sometimes we have a single speaker. Sometimes we have a couple. This year we have two speakers. Uh, the first will be... Um, Aaron Miller, Diane Robinson, and Cyan Brannon from the University of North Texas. They did a follow-up uh, to a survey that was done a number of years ago looking at kind of the state of gaming and libraries. Uh, so they did a revised version of that survey, and they're going to be talking about and sharing the results of that survey. They got information from about 600 school, academic, public, and special libraries um, and kind of just talk about um, what people are doing and how people are using games in their libraries. So so that's going to be a fantastic share. And then we have um, uh, Nick Tanzi who will be coming in, and he will be talking about Kodu, uh, which is software that lets people create and design and code their own video games and kind of share them online. So he'll talk about how he's using that uh, in public library spaces, and you can use it to develop programs for uh, children's and teens and walk through the process of you know, how you use the software um, and how you can use it to create games and, and how it can fit in your library programs. That is on Saturday, uh, the 22nd, uh, 2.30, um, in a location that can be found in the scheduler. We'll put links to the scheduler. I think I've got most of these flags. Perfect. If not, I'll find them based on Brian's description, and we'll put links in the show notes so that you can find all these delightful things. 
Perfect. The board, the Games Gaming Roundtable, if what I'm talking about sounds super awesome and exciting and you want to be a part of it, you totally can be a part of it. Uh, so we're having our board meeting as well, too. Later that day on Saturday, the 22nd, it's going to happen uh, at 4.30 in the Washington Convention Center, room 148. See, I know that room. I don't know the room for the program, <laughs> though. That is... Uh, reflective of my crazy remembering some things and not other things. So if you want to be a part, though, we always welcome people to be a part of uh, joining the board or being a part of a committee uh, to help make all these amazing things happen. The Games and Gaming Roundtable, if you're not aware, uh, is responsible for putting together International Games Week, uh, which is where we advocate for playing games in libraries for a full week. Um, that way, it allows people to kind of schedule and make it happen uh, as convenient to them. It's helpful and inclusive for school libraries to participate and be a part. And we partner with game publishers. There are giveaways and we track kind of globally what's happening with games and libraries. We partner with uh, game institutions all around the world in England and Norway, and um, it's pretty fantastic. So if you're not familiar with that, uh, give a Google to International Games Week, or Donald will have links in the show notes to Inter- in International Games Week. Uh, I think we can pull that together between the both of us and yep, make yep. that happen, right? <laughs> when is that? Yeah. So, yes. Uh, it's in November, so it passed already, so we've got a little time and prepping. So this is a great time to express your interest, find out some information, sign up, or even kind of participate. We'll probably and try do to an help. episode on it between now and then. So, hooray! Perfect. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's a lot of stuff. And plus, you get to wander around DC, see some great museums. I'm going to hit up a couple escape rooms while I'm in town. Uh, what? Uh, are there any other highlights for this event that you want to cover, or are we all talked out? No, I think I'm talked out. There's a lot. Of, that was a mouthful. That wasn't no, enough. Do no, I need was, to work harder for you, Donald? That's, that's why I'm trying to wrap it up. <laughs> but I thought you occasionally pull out a last minute gem, and I thought that. I know. I it's so many things to juggle and remember. But no, I think we've covered just about everything. ALA play, uh, the games and gaming roundtable booth. Stop by and say hi. We've got the gaming grove, so make sure you check out all the publishers that are going to be there. Sit down and play some games in the gaming lounge. Uh, stop by our president's program on Saturday. And if all this sounds amazing, be sure to stop by the board meeting and get involved. And also, I will have games in schools and libraries coins. So uh, look for me, and I will be passing those out over the con. And this time, they'll even have a URL on it, so uh, you can give them to your friends and say, go listen to the show. So, Sweet. Hooray. Well, Brian, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, once again, if you could let our listeners know where you can be found uh, in social media so that they can find out more about what you're doing for games in schools and libraries. Sure. I very, very, very very occasionally we'll post on Twitter at Ludo librarian. Mm, um, that, that, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. Uh, for the most part, uh, my website is briamare.games. Um, for contact information, I do consulting and workshops and all sorts of fun stuff. So there's information about that there as well, too. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me. Of course. Well, I had to listen to you while you talked, and then I joined you, and I got to talk a little as well, too. I was talking to our listeners, not just... Oh, hi, listeners. Thank you guys for listening to me. There there are (laughs) several dozen very skilled librarians who listen to this show, um, and my mom occasionally. Awesome. All right. That's it. We're done. All right, cool. 
Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast. You can find out more about us and the people who create this show over at InverseGenius.com and all of our other wonderful, wonderful shows, including on board games, on RPGs, the Inverse Genius podcast, and the Room Escape Divas. We are also now joined by the Party Gamecast. Hooray! So if you're looking for light, fun, fast games and even snacks to have while playing games because they do a segment called What the Food? <laughs> and also, we have a couple of streamers with us now, which is Nephilop, who you might remember as Stephanie, previous co-host here on the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast, and our friend Lynn Theory. Not all of that may be work safe because occasionally an explicative when startled by monsters Games and Schools and Libraries is produced in association with the Georgetown County Library System.